Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. We honor you women, you moms, you are special, you are honored. We love you and I love talking about you. I love talking about you behind your back. <laughs> I went to Denver. I was asked to speak to a group of men at a men's breakfast meeting. And uh, my topic was how to win at work without losing at love. But I was also talking to these men in their 20s and 30s about the differences between men and women. They know I've been married for a long time. They thought maybe I was an expert on it. So I talked to them about how you can understand the difference between men and women. And we laughed a lot at your expense. <laughs> and it was funny. And we told some funny stories. Most of you heard it before, so you wouldn't laugh. But this is the first time I ever heard it. And they laughed and they laughed and they laughed after it was over. Two men came to me and one of them said, Pastor Hooper, I'll bet back when you were in high school, you were the class clown. And I said, no, the class clown in our high school was the guy who ran through the cafeteria during the lunch hour wearing nothing but a football helmet and a very short pair of gym shorts. And I was not that guy. <laughs> I was, however, the guy who talked that guy into doing it. <laughs> I was that guy. And my assignment this morning is to try to talk y'all into something. I want to try to talk you into living the very best life that you can possibly live. To live the kind of God, life that God wants you to live, that he created you to live, an abundant life, a happy life, a joy-filled life, a successful life, a prospering life. One where you are constantly, constantly doing what God wants you to do and being blessed for it. But there is absolutely no way that you can live this kind of life without knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because this life is going to come to an end and nobody gets to stay here, you can't live the life you should live here unless you know where you're going when this life is over. And I am convinced that many people came on this Mother's Day weekend hoping that someone would give them the opportunity to finally settle in their mind this whole dilemma of where they're going to spend eternity. And God settled it by saying this, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The salvation is found in no one else and nowhere else. So if you have never accepted Christ as your personal savior, it's Mother's Day 2019 that it is about to happen. With every head bowed, with every eye closed and everyone praying right out loud with me, Dear Heavenly Father, I trust Jesus, your Son, as my Lord and Savior. I can't get to heaven any other way but Jesus Christ. I trust you, Lord. Save me. Forgive me of my sins and give me a home in heaven. For I ask this in your precious name. Amen. That means I am speaking to a completely saved audience at this point. Am I right? Okay, good. 
And I needed to be speaking to a full room that is saved because I, I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that once you are saved, your problems aren't over. You are going to have a home forever in heaven, but listen, salvation doesn't guarantee you're going to have a great life till you get there. Because many of us, all of us who are saved, still have to adjust the way that we now think. We, there are things that have happened to our unsaved lives that could be affecting us in an adverse way when it comes to our saved, born again, loving on God, worshiping him here at the church, and going to heaven life. Things that could keep us from really enjoying the life that God wants us to live now. Saved? Yes. You love God? Yes. But your mindset's still messed up. And there has to be an adjustment of it, a mindset reset, not just once, but over and over and over again. And it's not that we got the whole salvation relationship with God thing wrong. It's just that our thinking could still be wrong or how we're going to do life thinking could be wrong. So very quickly, bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name, do not let the enemy steal the word that is about to be spoken. Do not let a war go on in the minds of anyone in this room to keep them from being able, uh, to be being blocked from being able to be released and set free from what this topic is all about. The minute it is spoken out into this room, the enemy is probably going to try to tell people this wasn't in for me. But let them keep their minds open, I pray, Lord Jesus, and receive your word and receive healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me introduce you to today's players. We have Moses, Moses' mama and his sister put him in a basket when he was just a little baby, put him in the Nile River and pushed him. He floated down and got stuck in some reeds close to the palace. Pharaoh's daughter came out with her attendant. She was going to bathe herself. She noticed a little basket. She sent for it. She looked inside and there was baby Moses. She had compassion on him. Moses' sister, Miriam, comes running over, who had been watching all of this unfold, and said, would you like for me to go get a Hebrew woman who can nurse him and raise him to a certain age and then bring him back to you? Pharaoh's daughter said, that's a good idea. She goes and gets her mom, which is Moses' mom, brings Moses' mom back to the princess. And the princess says, I will pay you for raising this child to a certain age. Now that's a mama gift right there, isn't it? That's a God mama gift right there. So she does so, brings him back to the palace. Now he's raised as an Egyptian, but he's a Hebrew. He is too Hebrew to be Egyptian. He is too Egyptian to be Hebrew. And he was not accepted by either group. One day, feeling very Hebrew, he went out into the fields where the slaves were working for the Egyptians. He saw an Egyptian taskmaster beating a Hebrew person. So he took that Egyptian taskmaster and he killed him on the spot and buried him in the sand. He then, because he thought this was found out, goes to the land of Midian. He marries a woman there by the name of Sipporah, and he starts his life over. The second or the third group I want you to understand as a player in this is Jephro. Because he has a wife, he has a father-in-law. Jephro is a major player, and then there are God's children. He's called by God to go back into Egypt. He's used by God to lead the people out of Egypt. There's the whole 10 plague thing, the parting of the Red Sea, the whole wilderness living thing, and then in the book of Exodus, which means the details of Israel exiting out of Egypt, we pick up the story.
Exodus chapter 18, verse 13, the next day Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? That is a great question for us to ask ourselves a lot. There are things that we will get involved in and that other people will involve us in that we need to, in order to have a mindset reset, ask ourselves that same question. What is this really accomplishing? Is there anything really good coming out of the time, the energy that I'm spending with these people that are unpleasable? Is this really going to work out in a way that it matters whether or not I'm involved in it or not? So what are you accomplishing here and why are you trying to what? Why are you trying to do all this? Alone, while everyone else stands around you from morning until evening. Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me. And I, I am the one who settles the cases between the quarreling parties. I, it's me who informs the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. And Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, everybody together, this is not good. One more time. This is not good. Rejection after rejection. And now I've got some attention. Finally, somebody's going to validate me. Somebody's going to pay attention to me. Somebody's going to let me know that I'm important and I'm about to engage in one of the most unhealthy activities of all because of this. And that is called approval addiction. And the only one in Moses' life who was not willing to normalize his dysfunction was his father-in-law Jethro. And he says in verse 18, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Addicted to the approval of other people. Allow me to introduce you to a case study in this area. He's a man by the name of Moses, engaging in an activity that was seen to be honorable. He's the man, the myth and the legend. Moses, sitting in the middle of the people all day long. He's an overachiever. He's an accomplisher. He is in demand. He is busy. He is booked. But the grind was an indication of an infection from rejection. And what is impressive is not, can you grind? What is impressive is, can you stop? And if you can't stop trying to be everything to everybody, what is about to happen is going to cause great problems, not just for you, but to the people you are trying to be this to. And you all have also got to ask yourself the question, if I can't stop being everything to everybody, what is it that makes me uncomfortable just sitting around with me? And not just me, but angry me. You see, anger is a secondary emotion, isn't it? You just don't get angry for nothing. You get hurt and then you get angry. Secondary. You get cheated on and then you get angry. That's secondary. You get rejected and then you get angry. You get scared and then you get angry. Anna rarely gets angry. Rarely does she get angry. She gets frustrated. 
but she rarely gets angry. But if I scare her, she is not the kind of woman that's going to sit in the floor and cry. If I am hiding in the house, which I rarely do these days, and she walks by me in the hallway and I will whoa, jump out when she doesn't know where I'm at. She immediately, that fear turns into anger where she is looking for something to beat me with. <laughs> but it wasn't her first emotion, fear brought on a secondary emotion, am I right? So because of rejection comes anger and we see it over and over again in Moses' life. Something was happening when he sees a Hebrew beating, an, uh, 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 an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, and he kills the Egyptian. I mean, that's kind of over the top, isn't it? He outranked that Egyptian taskmaster. He was the raised son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He could have pulled rank and had the guy thrown in prison, had him beaten himself. But something rose up in him that was angry, that came out of him in an explosive way. And he killed the man, took it over the level. Now, he could have asked himself, what's going on in me right then? But he didn't. Later on, he goes up to the mountain. God gives him the Ten Commandments, etched by the very finger of God into two tablets. He walks back down this mountain after meeting with God in this amazing church service and gets angry to the point where he does what? He throws the tablets on the ground. Now, how much do you think those tablets were worth being etched by the, very, by the very finger of God? I mean, wouldn't you have thought to, hey, 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 I'm about to lose it. Hold these. <laughs> right? I mean, wouldn't you have thought that? But he throws them on the ground. And this is interesting, the second time that he, those tablets come back into play, the Bible says this, then the Lord told Moses, chisel out, you do it this time, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. I will write on them the same words that were on the tablets that you smashed. Idiot. What was going on here? Where's this thing coming from? And then later on, the people want water. God tells them, well, just speak to the rock this time. You hit it once, speak to it this time. I'll let water come out. And something's going on in him where he hits that rock and God takes him up on top of a mountain and says, now let me show you what you're gonna lose because you never got in control of that emotional issue of anger that was inside of you. That thing that you would never deal with that you had plenty of opportunities to because of emotional wound you never dressed has now cost you your destiny. Well, where's it coming from? Look at the side screen. Where there is approval addiction, there is also passive aggressive behavior. It's where you keep stuffing stuff down. You don't want to have conflict with anybody. You avoid it all because you want that person that you might need to have a conflict with now over something little to continue to like you. And then pretty soon you're dealing with a problem in 2019. And instead of dealing with a problem in 2019, you started talking about what she did in 2009. And she's like, you're not fighting fair right now. What are you even talking about? Well, back in 2009, when you said, and then in 2010, you called my mama and don't you forget what happened. And she's going, well, why didn't you just talk to me about that back in 2009? Because your approval addiction kept you from dealing with something on a minor level for fear that that person is not gonna like you. 
Now look at this. It is okay to want people to like you. Everybody does. But it's a whole other issue when you need them to like you. That's a dysfunction. Now why is this so important? This ultimately kept him from his destiny. He underestimated the importance of an unaddressed emotional issue. An emotional issue that would play out in every aspect of his life and will play out in yours. It can kill a person professionally. It will make you miserable in a marriage and it will make you miserable as an individual. So here's Moses, he's the overworker. He's the overreacher. He's the overextended. And because of this pattern we see in his life of needing to be needed so badly, he cannot see that what he is doing is not good for him and it's not good for others. And this is where you have to admit what people think about me matters way too much. And God to Moses, you let this thing get the best of you and now it's cost you. There is a brokenness in you that I would have fixed a very long time ago, growing up without a mom, growing up without a dad, being rejected by one group and being rejected by the other. And the badness in you is not badness, it was brokenness. And if you just let me fix the brokenness, then the badness would have gone away. Wow. I know when y'all get quiet, that means you're, you're really getting it, you're really thinking. If you don't get your head wrapped around this, it'll limit where God is going to take you. Because if God wants, you to wants to take you to higher levels where you find yourself in greater demand, you have to be willing to live knowing that no matter what decision you make, you are constantly going to be disappointing some people around your life. Moses' approval addiction showed up in his accomplishments, didn't it? I mean, he had to be thinking, but look at me, man, I'm doing it. Everybody else just standing around, I'm killing it. Hashtag me, I'm doing a good job. Very busy life can cause you to miss out on your own life. And look at this, because you cannot pursue pleasing God and pleasing people at the same time. People are unpleasable. Take a look at God's kids. Get us out of Egypt, he got them out of Egypt. Now we wanna go back into Egypt. He keeps them out, we're thirsty, here's water. Well, we want bread, here's bread. Well, now we want meat, well, here's meat. And they were never happy and they were never satisfied. And there are many people in your life that you will do for them and you will do for them and you will do for them. And some of them will never be happy with everything that you can do. But I guarantee you will remember the one time that you tell them no. You are welcome. <laughs> so let me give you three traits of people with approval addiction. Three traits before we leave with the time that I have left. People with approval addiction will suffer abuse from the very people that they are trying to help. You love them and you care about them. 
and you're afraid to confront their behavior or their attitude for fear that they will stop loving you. But if they are really part of your life, it's like an arm, they won't go anywhere. And if they're really not a part of your life, then let them go. Your life's too short for that. You've been trapped into a mindset that comes from this. Watch this, rejection, rejection, rejection. Overcompensated by the fact that now I need people that will, that will validate me and make me feel better about me. So in order to do that, I have to have your approval. So now I'm willing to take abuse in order to keep something around me that resembles a type of love that I may have never felt in the past. Second trait of people approval addiction is they will keep pulling people back in who God is trying to pull out. They will keep pulling people back in who their God is trying to pull out. God pulls them out, we run back, try to get them, pull them back in. I used to think that when somebody got mad at me, all I had to do, if I could sit down with them over a cup of coffee, I could fix it. And I could not fix it because I wasn't supposed to fix it. God was trying to pull almost a whole generation out of Moses' life. And Moses started praying, Lord, don't do it. Don't do it, Lord, please leave them here. Please, God. And God said, okay. I'll give you what you're asking for, but you are going to now learn through experience what I was trying to teach you through instruction. Because sometimes when God pulls people out of your life, he doesn't ever want you to know why. He's trying to protect you from finding out about that knife that was placed in your back eight years ago you've been walking around with. He doesn't want you to know it. He doesn't want you to have to deal with a wounded heart. Where now you realize, wait a second, they meant this by that. God's trying to protect you. And the same people that Moses prayed back into his life were ultimately the same people who frustrated him to a level to the point where he hit the rock rather than speaking to the rock. And as a result, it cost him his destiny. And all along, God was trying to pull them out. Third thing I want you to see is that they pass on their, pass on their purpose because they pursue other people's preferences. They pass on their purpose because they pursue other people's preferences. I love what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 1. You remember Paul's personality and temperament. He said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people here. He said, but of God, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. You just can't do both. So stop trying. I'm trying to give you a gift. I really am trying to give some of you a gift because you're a sweet, wonderful, generous, giving to the point of wrecking yourself type of men and women. And I think we all have a kindred spirit kind of while we hang out together. We will give and we will give and we will be taken advantage of and taken advantage of. never find your happiness 
in trying to please people. It will not happen to you. And here is the greatest gift that I could possibly give you on this Mother's Day weekend. You're just gonna have to be at peace with not being perfect in everyone else's eyes. Would you stand with me? You would not believe the spiritual warfare that I felt this morning, wrapping up study at about 4.35 a.m. I called my son and I said, I need extra prayer. And he and Amelie prayed for me right before I came out here because I said, I believe what's gonna happen is there are people in this room that are gonna get freedom from this. And this is gonna be like a big old weight lifted off you. But the enemy's gonna get you in there and try to block your mama mind and tell you that's what mamas do. They're everything to everybody. And then you see your life passing by and anger dwells up in you that leads to bitterness. And have you ever met a bitter old woman? You don't wanna be that, sis. You don't wanna be that. You will never, ever please people and think happiness is coming out of that. When you focus on pleasing your heavenly father who sees you as perfect, then you have pleased the only one that really matters to please. And then he will make everybody else around you either happy or out. My beautiful daughter-in-law, I want you to see, I quit. <laughs> 10 o'clock. <laughs> 9.59. So you are the one responsible. For the next five. <laughs> for keeping us over. <laughs> and most people in here know how long I can pray. Yeah, really. <laughs> I, I ask you to pray for the moms and okay. the women. Because there's something in the way that we handle wounds in our life. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you the truth about this, and you may think I'm making this up, but my brothers in here will know what I'm talking about. If somebody walks up to Anna and I, and they say something hurtful to me, three days later, if I see them in Home Depot, I forgot it. I'm picking up a box of screws. Hey, what are you getting in here? I'm getting us all cool. Let me see it. Wow, okay, cool. Hey, want to get a Coke? Yeah, let's get a Coke. Anna... It'll take Jesus coming back before she forgets that. I'm telling you. And I'm not saying men don't get wounded. I'm just saying we have a tendency to not think about it as much as you think we're thinking. Matter of fact, we don't think about anything as much as you think we're thinking about it. You, wonder, you ever wonder what a man's thinking? Can I tell you? This is your favorite gift of the day. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Are you mean to tell me you're just staring off into space? Yes, we are just staring off into space. Come on. We're over. You kept talking. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I know what I did. Would you would you pray a blessing over over these people? Yes. Especially hit the heart, the heart of a wounded warrior. <laughs> yeah. 
called a woman. Okay. Could you do that? Father God, um, God, we need to be real in this place. We talk about it so often. We talk about our jacked up selves. We talk about coming in here and taking off a mask and we're trying. But God, I think right now, today, we need to be willing to take our heart, put it in our hands and bring it before you. And God say, I'm hurting. And God, we know their names. We know the situation, but it, it feels like it's been so long that we can't even identify it anymore. And so God, I pray right now that our rejections, the things that have happened to us from people in the past, God would be healed, healed by your hand, by faith, God, because it's not something that we're gonna figure out in our minds. It's not an intellectual ascent that is going to heal us. It is going to be by your power and by your might. And so God, as we open up our hearts to you and say, I am hurting and I don't have to be strong enough for every single person around me. We're walking wounded right now. We're bleeding all over the people around us because we're hurting and we're not willing to ask for help. And so God, help. Help us heal. Help us to be able to identify what it is in our hearts that hurts so bad. God, it's not our job to convince people to like us. We don't need to overcompensate for who we are. Instead, stripping that off and saying, God, here I am. People, here I am. It's a risk. But I choose, we choose to stand before you, God, and find our approval in you alone. And God, your name, one of your names is Jehovah Sidkenu, which means God, our righteousness, our right standing, our approval from you alone. So God, I pray right now for every single doubt, every single argument, every single lie in our minds right now would be, would be cut off, falling to the ground, and instead we open up our minds to the truth. Because Jesus, you are the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, and that if we know you, we will be set free. So instead of wondering what the world thinks about us, God, what do you think about us? You say that we are treasured. You say that you want to know us and you want to be known, that there is a relationship between us. So God, we are not rejected by you. We are accepted and approved by you. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message.